more time. We do it. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here. If you're tuning in from somewhere around the world, uh, we, we love you guys. Houston, Fort Worth, Tulsa, El Paso, we love you guys. So glad. Great to be here with you, Dallas. Uh, man, when I was five years old, something rather traumatic happened to me. I went to the Houston Livestock Show. Anybody ever been to the Houston Livestock Show? Shout out Houston. Uh, Houston Livestock Show. That wasn't a traumatic event, though. It happened there. I'm, I'm with my, my family. I'm, I'm five years old, and I'm walking around. There's like a, at least, you know, a billion people there. And, um, and we're walking through. There's a fair there, you know, like amazing uh, lights and carnival and all that. And they've got a, like a stock show and a rodeo and all kinds of fun stuff. And I'm walking through this place and I see this ride, the zipper. Anybody read the zipper? It's got the, and I'm looking at the lights and I'm like, wow, that looks amazing. And I'm like a moth to a flame looking at it, but that's not what was traumatic. This is what was traumatic. Then as I'm looking at that, I look up and I don't see my parents anywhere. No brothers and sisters, no mom and dad. I'm just there in the middle of all the people Lost as an Easter egg, you know, I'm just like, mom, dad, wait, mom, dad, and, and I'm walking around, and when you're five years old, and you're at the Houston Livestock Show, and you can't see your, your family, you, you start, what goes through your mind is crazy things, like, I wonder what orphanage they're going to put me in, and, and um, you know, I just, like, I assume I'll never see them again, there, there's just no way they're going to find me, I, this, I don't have a cell phone, I'm five, and, um, and, I'm, and I'm just, all of this panic comes into my heart, and my mind, and my body, and and then I look up, and I remember my dad saying, if you ever get lost, find a police officer. Then I look up, and I see this group of men in blue uniforms with those kind of, you know, octagonal hats and, and a badge. And so I walk up to them, and they see me kind of from afar, and they say, you know, are you lost? And I kind of shake my head, yes, and and they get me eventually, punchline, they get me back to my, my, my family. I didn't stay lost, praise God. And so they, they get me where I need to be. But why I start there is because of what my dad told me. Hey, you need to find someone with a badge that, that they're in this uniform. They look a particular way. Anytime you're somewhere and you need help, you find them. And in the same way, Jesus says something about his followers, something that's going to mark them, like a, a uniform they put on. It's the way they love. Now, if you've been in church long, like none of your minds were just blown. You're like, oh, yeah, he says that John 13, you'll know, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love. You're just like, oh, yeah, right? And you probably all just thought, like, yeah, love. I'm pretty good at love. My God, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing my love uniform right now. I got my love badge. Me and love, we're good. And we love love. We love love. Anybody watch the, the royal wedding? Good, good, praise God, because who does that? Like you don't have anything else to do at 6 a.m. I wouldn't even go to my own wedding if it was at 6 a.m. Why would you do that? But 29.2 million Americans did, okay, that's right, and two people here, and, and so, 29.2 million Americans, and all the buzz was this sermon. This sermon Bishop Curry gave, all about love. He said the word love 58 times 
in 13 minutes. That's four and a half times per minute, roughly. Somebody's going to find me afterwards, like, actually, it's 4.46. Anyways, so he said love a whole lot. And I think everybody's fired up. The whole world's like, man, that message was amazing. And we have no idea how to do it. He started and ended with a quote from Martin Luther King. We must discover the power of love, the power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make of this old world a new world. We will be able to make men better. Love is the only way. And that's an amazing quote, and I agree with it. I think it's incredible, but we have no idea how. Maybe you went to Justin Timberlake concert, okay? You don't have to whoop. You know, you can hide in the crowd. It's fine. But you might have seen David Marvin there. <laughs> and in between F-bombs, he's calling people to love. Hey, I'm, I'm preaching up here, if you don't mind keeping it quiet. <laughs> and so in between F-bombs, he's, he's telling everyone that they need to love, right? And everybody, that's the message right now. Love, 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 love. And here's the problem. I think we've diluted that word so much. You have no idea how to apply it to your life. And so that's what I hope to do over just the next few minutes together, is to give you a vision of what could happen to the world, and specifically what could happen to your life if you really get this. And guys, I gotta tell you up front, I don't think this is something we miss a little bit. Like I don't think we're just like, we're throwing a dart at the bullseye and we're just off a little bit. I think we're facing the wrong way, throwing the wrong direction at the wrong board. This is something we've gotta course correct majorly on because I think it's something we're all good at when we're not good at it. We're like Uncle Rico talking about football, you know, like the glory days and, and how good we are. And it's like somebody, no, 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 no. And, and so we just, we love to talk about it. We love to talk about love. But the people who are really loving, they're not talking about it. They're just doing it. And you know those people. You know those people, right? You meet them and they never forget your name. You see them and they remember your name and you're like, man, I'm just really bad at names. No, you're really bad at love. You know, and, and, and they, they never forget a birthday, and not because Facebook reminded them. They just know, like, oh, man, in your birthday in September, and you just had one. And then when they get you a gift, it's not what they wanted, but it's what you really wanted. They give the best gifts. You guys know someone like that? Just someone, they show up at the right time, and they, they know when to, when to step back, and they know when to lean in even if you're kind of projecting that you don't want them to? You know someone like that? You know someone who loves like that? Why don't you love like that? What's the difference between them and you? For us, we're just trying to get ours, right? Trying to get our close parking space. Make sure we live our lives, get our money, get our things. And so we're in this series called The Remnant. Let me just be abundantly clear what that means. The remnant is simply God's people. That God in the history of history has always had some people to himself. Right now on this earth, God has a people chosen by God and for God. If you're here and you're going to be in heaven one day for certain, you're a part of the remnant. 
If you're here and you don't know if you're gonna be in heaven one day, I hope to change that. I hope the Holy Spirit changes that in the next 30 minutes. And so today, tonight, I wanna talk about how the remnant are marked by love. That this is the badge that we wear, and honestly, we're the only ones who wear it. The remnant are the only ones who can love. So now I just redefined love in your mind. Because I'm not talking about all the love that the world is bringing about, saying, hey, you need to do No, the people of God are the only ones who can love like this. And I remember when I learned this. I mean, it, it, it changed my life. It rocked my world. Now, I can remember reading through the scriptures thinking, man, if I'm supposed to love like this, I've got to change some major things. Monica and I sat down at the table, and I remember thinking, hey, we've got some empty bedrooms. And there's people who need place to stay and and four guys ended up moving in with us then I can remember I had a motorcycle in the in the garage that I hardly ever drove and I'm like but there's and there's people that need money and and I remember selling that motorcycle and walking around with the money in my pocket and giving it to missions but if I'm totally honest with you before you start to think that wow that's amazing I'm this season I look back on that season and there's a gap between because what happens is the current of selfishness swept me up and I have, to, I have to look back into the scriptures and tonight preach out of my own conviction, meaning it convicted me to look back in these scriptures and audit my life and say, okay, now what changes do I need to make yet again? Because the scripture's calling us to something crazy that's not crazy for the remnant. It's just normal. It's just normal. And selfishness is the enemy of this love. Nothing you do out of selfishness can ever be loving. And so if Christians or the remnant are marked by love, how did you do this week? Did you you love everyone you walked by that you saw in need? Or how many people did you send a voicemail? Or how many people were you too busy for? How many times did you try to get the closest parking place? Being marked by love has always been an integral part of Christianity, specifically those who follow Christ. If it's not loving, if somebody says that's Christianity and it's not loving, they've either misunderstood Christianity or they've misunderstood what is loving. And so if we dive in tonight, there's going to be a lot of scriptures over the next few minutes, lots of scriptures. Um, Honestly, the Bible talks a lot about this. I'll teach topically, and I'm going to cover what love is, what love does, and before you leave here this evening, how we love. And so let's just dive in what love is. What love is, there's an entire chapter dedicated to this. It says love is, love is, love is, love is. But here's the problem with love. The problem with that word is we love everything. We love chocolate and we love our favorite sports team and we love football and we love our boyfriend and we love our girlfriend and we love mama and apple pie. We love all of these different things. And the Bible, it has several words in the Greek for love. We have one word that describes every kind of thing that could possibly be love, but it says this. I want to define what we're talking about. It's this right here. Here's a picture of it. It's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. This is what we're talking about. When I say the word love, this is what you need to think about. 
This is a picture of what biblical love is, and if it's not that, then it's not love. Now, we often think about love in context of relationships, someone that you, know, you have given your heart to, someone that you wake up thinking about, that kind of love, right? That's, that's what Bishop Curry was talking about, so much of his sermon. And I think we even misunderstand it in that context. I was talking to a guy recently. He came up and he just wanted some relationship advice. I'm, I love my girlfriend so much. Like I'm so in love with her. I love her so much. And we've started sleeping together. And, um, and I've really been struggling with just these weird thoughts of jealousy. I begin to think about her and my, my best friend. And it's driving me crazy. As I'm driving down the road, I have these, these jealous thoughts kind of interrupting my mind. And, and I don't know what to do. And it's driving me crazy. I just said, whoa, 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 hold on, honey. Let me, let me just say something. Hey, you don't love her. Just, what? No, 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 let's just redefine that word you're using. You don't love her. Then there's nothing that you just said that's consistent with how the Bible defines love. And this is a really clear checklist. Like, if it's not this, it ain't love. So you might be infatuated with her. You may have really passionate feelings toward her. Like you may think about her all the time. You may be completely and totally, utterly codependent upon her. But what you have for her is not love. And you just, you got to come to that reality. You got you to grip that. Because like right here, it, it's a checklist. In fact, when I speak to a room full of men, I'll often give them this checklist right here in 1 Corinthians 13 and say, hey, if you can't do this, then you are in no place to love. You have no idea how to love. And, and I just, I spend a lot of my time with, with thousands, honestly, of young adult men. And I've just learned that all of the things, like we've learned calculus and we learned all of these amazing things in college, we never learned how to love. We just have no idea how. And it's this really clear checklist. We, I've actually turned it into five C's. If you've heard that message, we did. And so in the same way that you tell if a diamond is genuine or you tell what it's worth, you look at the four C's, color, cut, clarity, and carrot. In the same way, if you want to know if someone's love is real, you look at, you say, does it cherish? Here, you can write these down if you want. It's five questions. Does this love cherish the other? Is, it, is this love confident is this love controlled? Does this love allow for a clear conscience? And is this love committed? Because if it's not those things, I would, I would write it off as something counterfeit. It's not genuine, it's not love. What love is, I'm gonna give you the definition now, love is giving of yourself for the benefit of others at a perceived cost to you. Love is giving of yourself for the benefit of others at a perceived cost to you, often a huge cost to you, maybe a huge perceived sacrifice. Now, why I say that word perceived right there is because the scripture tells us that anything that we do with the right heart, that we're receiving more than what we gave, right? That Jesus came back from the grave, he's defeated death, and if we do something with the right heart, we receive, he even says, a hundred times as much in this world and the world to come. Let me give you an example. Um, this past week was my daughter's end of the season soccer party. And so she plays soccer. And so we went to Altitude and um, had a party there. It's a trampoline park. And, and uh, it was a good time. And so at the end, we're kind of wrapping up the time. And she says, Daddy. That's not how she talked. She said, Daddy, uh, can I get an icy? 
can I get an icy? And I, you know, I'm like, hey, we're about to eat. I don't know, like icy. Um, I, no, no icy. And she kind of pouted. And, you know, not, she didn't throw a fit, but she was just bummed that I said she couldn't have an icy. I'm like, I don't want to spend $5 on a frozen Coke, you know, and so no. And, um, and as she's pouting, I, I'm thinking, okay, what can I do to teach something? I said, all right, come here. Hey, listen, you want to have some fun? Let's have some fun, okay? I'm going to give you something better than an icy. Here's what you can do. You can go throughout the trampoline park, and you can offer everybody else an icy. And there's about 100, 150 kids there. I'm kind of thinking, all right, this may set me back $500. But, but if, if, if she learns the lesson that it's better to, re- to give than to receive, it's all worth it. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you can go and offer everybody else an icy. Everybody, you can just tell them to get in line and they will get an icy and, and you and I will pay for it. I'll pay for it and you can say you paid for it. And, um, and she's like, well, can I offer Ellie an icy? I'm like, yes, everyone in here. She's like, can I offer more than one person an icy? I'm like, you don't understand what I'm saying. Everybody in the trampoline park gets an icy. You can offer them one. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. And, and once she kind of got over her fear of man and, and being bummed that she wasn't getting one, she had a blast. Hey, you want an icy? Hey, come here, man. You want an icy? Hey, my daddy, is, he's buy, he'll buy you an icy. You, want, you just got to get in line. You want an icy? You know, you can have blue raspberry. You can have Coke. You can have cherry. Whatever you want. Icy, just get in line. And we had so much fun. And afterwards, I just said, hey, was that, was that better than you getting an icy? And she, you know, she hesitated for a minute. She's like, well, I really want one. But <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, I guess it was. That was pretty fun, Right? That was a blast. That's what this love does. That's what this love does, is it it gives of itself as a sacrifice, at a cost. It thinks outside the box. The world is your playground, man. Live the adventure. Look around and do something stupid in the name of Jesus. Like, just think, okay, what? Like, the world is always going to call this kind of love crazy. That's why the remnant is the only one that can do this. The remnant's the only one that can love this way. It doesn't make any logical sense to someone without the Holy Spirit. And so let's talk about what love does. What love does, it loves sacrifices itself to serve others. Listen, this love I'm talking about, has, it shows no partiality. The reason we don't know how to love because somewhere in our subconscious, as, as our old self still lives on, they're not fully put to death by the Holy Spirit. We're still gripping for those old parts of our heart. Really, everything we do is to receive. I mean, even the way you give in a relationship, it's to make you feel good. Or, or you give you know, to someone, you, you think, oh, that makes me feel good. That's why there's, so there's something selfish about that. This love has no ounce of selfishness in it. So if you're dating someone, right, don't look at how he loves you or how she loves you. Look at how he or she loves their enemies. That's going to give you a picture of their heart and if the Holy Spirit has them. Because this love that shows no partiality, it stretches even as far as our enemies. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, love your enemies. As you live this life, of, of, or you live this adventure of giving your life away. I think that, I think when you think about Christianity, for a lot of you, as I look out there, I think you think about all the rules, all the don'ts. Don't have sex before you're married. 
don't kill anybody, don't steal, don't want something that's not yours, right? And we, we're playing defense. We're constantly like, okay, how do I not sin? That's we're playing this game where we're trying to not sin. You know how you not sin, you love. You, you cannot love a biblical love and sin at the same time. Have you ever heard like the best defense is a good offense? You know what I mean? The best defense is a good, like if you have LeBron on your team, the, the best defense is gonna give, to be to give him the ball and let him make buckets, right? And, and just put up numbers because the other team won't be able to catch up. The best defense is a good offense. The best don't kill, don't steal, don't have sex out of marriage is to truly learn how to love. And if you truly learn how to love, you won't do those things. You're like, JP, man, that's interesting. Is that really in the Bible? It sure is. Romans 13. Okay, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments... You shall not commit adultery, sex outside of marriage. You shall not murder, kill. You shall not steal. You shall not covet, wanting things that aren't yours. And whatever other command there are, or there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. What does it mean that love is the fulfillment of the law? If you love, you'll obey the other 613 commandments. Jesus takes 613 laws and he says, all you need to do are these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't do those two things, you will do the other 613. It will just happen. Play offense. Play offense well and you don't have to worry about defense. I'm sure you've heard it said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you've learned until they know you've learned to love. But again, we gotta redefine that word. It's a self-sacrifice. It's giving of yourself for the benefit of someone else at a cost to you. I wanna tell you about a young man named Ryan. Ryan and his family moved to Highland Park, Park Cities. And they moved next to, door to a family that went to Watermark. And this family that went to Watermark was loving on Ryan and his family. And, and one day we had baptism service in, at um, Curtis Park in, in the Park Cities here in Dallas. And, and so uh, Ryan's parents walked by as we had this baptism celebration. There's bounce houses, it's a party, there's snow cones, and, and people are getting dunked into the, in the pond there. And Ryan's mom was like, guys, that's so weird. Goes to that Watermark family, says, it's so weird, what's wrong with you? You guys are a cult. Like, why are you throwing a carnival in the park and putting people underwater? That's just weird, stop that. And you're taking up all the parking spaces. Would you stop? And there was a young man, uh, a young adult, like one of you, his name is Nixon, and, and Nixon was starting a Bible study in Ryan's neighborhood and invited him. She said, come, you wanna hang out? Just kind of invited all the guys and, and just started loving on him, really just throwing the football, hanging with him. Didn't know him that well, but you know, knew him, uh, knew a lot of the other guys better than him, but just said, hey, you can come hang out with us anytime. You always have a place here. And didn't see him for a little while, followed up with his, his parents one time and just said, hey, you know, I hadn't seen your son, Ryan, in a while. What's going on? Where's he been? How's he doing? Is he doing okay? 
And Ryan's parents said, well, no, he, he's not. He, he's actually had some kidney issues, and uh, he's going through dialysis right now, and, you know, we're really sad for our son. And so Nixon said, well, hey, let me just come over and cheer him up and, and um, hang with him. You know, I'll read him some scriptures. I'll pray over him. Let me just hang with him and, and started doing that and, and, uh, and checked back in with his parents one day and just said, hey, how are, how's everything going for you? And they said, well, we're, we're going to do a fun run to raise money uh, for his surgery and then we're going to do a blood drive to see if there's any matches uh, so that, that we can find a donor, someone to give him a k- kidney. And it's really hard to find a match. And, um, and so Nixon just said, well, hey, I'd love to help with the fun run and I'd love to go see if I'm a match. He went to the hospital and they drew some of his blood and the nurse came ecstatically and said, you're a match as though you guys are, would be identical twins. You're closer match. We haven't seen this. You're a closer match than, than if, if he had an identical twin. You're closer match than a sibling would be. This is crazy. And he said, well, it must be the Lord's will. He needs a kidney. I got two. He can have mine. And this guy who's just been loving on this kid that he barely knows, this young adult here, you know, hanging around this place, says, here, you can have my kidney. Take it. I love what he said. He said he had need. I had what he needed. How could I not meet his need? Right? How do I not do that? Why wouldn't I do that? And you're thinking, well, you did have two. You have no idea that surgery that he has to go under. They got to go and cut into his back, pull out an organ. Right? And what's crazy is, is Ryan's parents saw that love and they started hanging around this place. They became members. They did that crazy ceremonial baptism. They both got baptized, became believers, got baptized. It's amazing, right? (laughs) Praise God. Ryan's dad came on staff here, left his job, owned a business, left it and came on staff. I just want to be more around that place, right? Now, now we could have went to them with, hey, you want to be a Christian? Here's lots of of don'ts, you know. Here's the law. Obey the law. You need to get baptized. You need to like, we need to take you, hold you underwater, pull you back up, and, and then, you know. No, no. Look at the love. Look at the example of sacrificial love. That's what we do. That's, that's what marks the remnant. If you're sitting there and you're like, man, that's crazy. No, it's not. It's just normal. It's completely normal. It's just what the remnant does. You see someone with need, and you just meet it. And you don't think, like, what will I get in return from them? It doesn't have to be someone you know really close. It doesn't have to be a family member. Just someone in need. And you just meet the need. Isn't that crazy? Nope. Uh Uh-uh. It's normal. It's really, really, really normal. And so love sacrifices self to serve others and fulfill the law. The reason Nixon gave his kidney is because Nixon gives his heart everywhere he goes. It, it, it was just a, an extension of his faith in that moment. So love sacrifices self to serve others. Let's talk about how we do this before we leave. How we love. Third point, how we love. It's a really challenging application for you guys because I don't know what you need to do. As you go back to work tomorrow, as you return to your neighborhood, as you go home tonight, I don't know what you need to do. I, I know that we need to love more and more often and bigger 
and better. And it might feel like boil the ocean. It might be like, man, it's just so crazy. You need to be thinking about right now what you need to do. And you need to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Begin to give your life away. Okay, begin to give your life away. Some of you, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment, but let's just talk about how we love. Galatians 5, verse 22 says this. Now, now, as I read this, think about that verse in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, right? It, it is not proud, it, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Who can love like that? Listen. But the fruit of the Spirit, what God's Holy Spirit in your life begins to produce is love. Number one, it produces love. But you know what else it produces? It produces joy and peace and forbearance. Your Bible might say patience, love is patient. It produces kindness, love is kind. It produces goodness, love does not dishonor others. It produces faithfulness. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, faithfulness. It produces gentleness and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Sounds familiar. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. First Corinthians 13 says, love does not delight in evil. Love is not self-seeking. Since we live by this spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited because First Corinthians 13 says, love does not boast provoking and envying each other because love does not envy. Do you see the, the, the comparison? I could take 1 Corinthians 13 and set it on Galatians 5, and as you sit out there and you say, but how do I love like that, JP? You surrender to God's Holy Spirit in you. And you begin to think, you can't leave here by the bootstraps and say, okay, I'm really gonna try to do this. No, no, it's a surrendering. It, God has to be at work in your life. It's the only way to love like this to begin to take the mind of God, to begin to see with the eyes of God, to begin to serve with the hands of God, to begin to go with the feet of God, and to begin to think and see the world as your playground, and you being an extension of the creator of the heavens and the earth, and say, who would you have me love? How would you have me love them? What would you have me do? And nothing's too crazy. As long as it's not sin, you have at it. You have at it. And so, the Holy Spirit gives us this power. Let me give you another verse. It's 1 John 4. It says, dear friends, let us love one another. Hey, in the Greek, it's this. Agapetos, agapeo. It means this. Those who are loved, love others. Agapetos, those who are loved, Agapeo, love others. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Th those who love are God's children. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son Jesus as an atoning sacrifice, a payment for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and has been made complete in us. That when you begin to love, as the scripture calls you to love people, the world begins to see God and is drawn to him. Is that not what happened with Ryan's family? 
They begin to see God and they're drawn to him. This is God's plan. This, this is how God uses This is why he says they will know that you're mine, that you belong to me, that, that you're my children by the way that you love. It's like, um, have you ever been sunburned? I mean, now listen, don't just nod your head. I'm talking real bad. I'm talking like you couldn't sleep. Okay, you and me, we get it. The rest of you, we'll talk to you afterwards and explain it. Um, and, and so when I was in college, when I was in college, I decided I was going to lay out because that's a manly thing to do. And, and so I get my pool chair and I'm laying out and I, I fell, fall asleep and just completely lose track of time. And guys, I mean, I mean, there was like a line right here and everything this side was glowing like, like radiating. If you would have got near me, I would have burned you because I was hot. It was hot. And uh, I mean, just like so bad, right? And if you saw me, you would have known what happened immediately. Whoa, man, what's wrong, lobster boy? Like you got too much time in the sun, huh? Too much time in the sun. You would have seen that I had spent time in the sun. And likewise, the world will see that you've spent time with the Son, S-O-N now, that Jesus, God, that, that if you spend time with God, so like a, a part of the way that you're gonna love tomorrow, everybody's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go tomorrow and I'm really gonna love somebody. The only way you're gonna do that is if you start your day tomorrow with God and you begin to pray, Lord, search me. You know me, you know when I sit and when I stand. Would you show me any anxious way in me? God, as I read through your scriptures, would you reveal your, your desires for my life through your word. And you start your day tomorrow with God. It's the only way. So then when you go to work tomorrow or you go somewhere tomorrow, people are gonna say, oh man, you spent time with the son. I can tell by the way that you're surrendering to his spirit and the way that you're loving others. And they're gonna see that in your life. You won't be able to do that without having spent time with God. In this text here, it, it says the reason is because Jesus, our, our faith is founded on this truth of the gospel that God gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, that God gave. And it was an act of love. The greatest act of love you know is that a father willingly gave his child as a payment for your sins, that, that his son willingly gave his life, not a gun to the head, once and done, a slow, torturous, public, humiliating death as a payment because you got drunk because you guys went too far on that date because you looked at those images because you're obsessed with your body because you're codependent because you spend more than you make for these reasons he died and that's foundational to our faith that act of love. And so really we go through the world and we display the gospel in the way that we give of ourselves sacrificially for people who can do nothing for us in return. And I could give you lots of examples of this. It's not just giving away a kidney. I think I can just, from this week, I think about my, my friend John who met the person who was checking him out at the grocery store as a Muslim man named Osama he said, Osama, do you want to have dinner? And they had dinner. And then he said, hey, do you want to come over and meet my family? And he brought him into his living room. And he introduced him to his, his wife and children. And he's hanging out with him. And, and Osama doesn't have a car. So he takes him back and forth from the restaurant to his house and then back to his apartment. 
I think about um, someone who, uh, a porch goer who opens their house to, for, to a bunch of homeless people at Thanksgiving. It says, hey, you guys are my family. Y'all have Thanksgiving here. I, I think about someone who, who bought a minister, someone in ministry, a car. I think about a porch goer who bought a homeless person a house. Are you kidding me? Bought them a house. Uh, a couple here at the porch who helped a pregnant mom by adopting her child. I, I think about someone who uh, gives someone a ride home every single Tuesday after the porch, way out of the way in West Dallas, takes them home every single week. I, I think about that band that's sometime out there at, at, at porch late night. You guys know the band? We don't pay for that. Somebody says, hey, I love that environment so much. I, I want to pay for that. I, I think about a, a porch goer who raises money to take 22 Burmese teenagers to camp every summer to the, to the sum of about $20,000. I, I think about my friends here that mentor kids through Mercy Street every single week. I, I think about uh, my friends here who, who serve tirelessly at Brother Bill's. I, I think about, we, there was a launch announcement earlier. Do you know that there's gonna be a lot of people at launch who didn't pay to go there, but that others just scholarship them? They said, hey, I want you to, to go. I'll pay for your way. I'm going to buy my ticket and somebody else's ticket. I think about young adults who've thrown birthday parties for complete strangers because no one else was there to celebrate their birthday. I think about young adults here, porch goers, who've thrown baby showers for complete and total strangers, people they've never met because they heard that they were pregnant and no one was there to throw them a baby shower. Why wouldn't we do this, man? It is living the adventure. I think about a guy who discipled a soccer team and he bought their lunch after the game, which may not seem like a big deal to you, except for he didn't eat because he didn't have money for himself. I think about young adults who heard that someone was in need and they put $800 in their mailbox so they could make rent. Who, you ask? I don't know. I heard the story secondhand. They didn't want to be named. Right? What do, you, what do we do in, in living the adventure? What do we do today, today, to live this adventure of love, of just looking with the eyes of God and having so much fun and taking our resources and saying, hey, how do I share this? I want to die with nothing in the bank account, man. I want to make sure that I was a pipe, not a pail, a conduit, not a container. That things, God's resources were flowing through me, not that I was collecting them for myself, building bigger barns. And, and if I'm honest, as I think about all of these people, the ones that I know, can I tell you something? Like, I'm like, what's the common denominator? You know what the common denominator is? They're all a little weird. Just keeping it real. They're all a little weird. Like, if you know them, you're like, yeah, they just don't really quite fit into the world. They're just not quite good at the world. Maybe they belong to another world. Friends, sometimes I think they're the only ones that do. Like, I, I see what Jesus says. Whatever you've not done for the least of these, you've not done for me. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Sometimes I love the world. Does that mean the love of the Father is not in me? If anyone sees his brother or sister in need and does not meet his need, how can the love of the Father be in him? Man, these verses. Wow. Praise God for grace. Receive grace. Don't 
Don't leave here with guilt. Leave here knowing you're missing out on the adventure. In seasons, I'm missing out. My, I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down. You better believe it after preaching this message. I'm doubling down on living the adventure. It was ICs this week. I don't know what it's going to be next week. I might go Oprah on them. You know, if I could, I would. <laughs> ah, I hope that's true. And you say, well, who do I love? Who do I love? Everyone always. My abusive, you know, an abusive father, yeah, yeah, I love him. A, a harsh boss, yeah, uh-huh. A neighbor that's weird, yeah, especially the weird neighbor. Even your enemy. Even your enemy. And so how will you love someone tomorrow and at what cost? You can only do it by surrendering to God's spirit. And so we love by spending time with God and surrendering to his spirit. In summary, love is, is giving of yourself for the benefit of others at a perceived cost to you. Love sacrifices self to serve others and fulfill the law. And we love by spending time with God and surrendering to his spirit. And Jesus says in John 13, verses 34 through 35, says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, your love for one another Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The New Testament was written in the Greek language, most of it. There's a, uh, there's a word, uh, agapetos, or agapeo rather. Agapeo is the verb for love. It's, it's the verb form of love. Um, it's this love. It's the, way that a love. it's the way that a mother would sacrificially love her child. Um, it, it is giving preference to someone like they're your children. Okay? That's agapeo. Agapeo has been in the language for a long time. Like in Homer's ancient writings, we see the word agapeo. All right? But a word that you might have heard of if you've been in church long, agape. It's a noun. It didn't show up until they translated the Old Testament into Greek. And they began to talk about the love that God's people had for one another. And it's like they didn't have a word to describe it. They was like, well, there's this word agapeo, that's the way a mother would give preference to her child, but that's the way these God followers love everybody. And so let's take the way a lo- the, the love that a mother gives her child and we'll make that a noun out of that word, agape, and we'll say, hey, that's how God's people love everyone, the way that a mother sacrificially loves her children. And a word was literally born, agape. It was born to describe the remnant, God's people, because there was no other word to describe the way that these people love each other. Agape. Now, I, I've, I live with an amazing mom, the best mom I've ever known in my entire life is my wife. She loves her children like no one loves anybody. I mean, it's incredible. And I can remember one time when, when our middle kid, uh, uh, my daughter was sick. She, we didn't know what she had. She was sick. She was running a fever. And, and uh, Monica had both of the, our daughters, and she said, hey, can you go to the doctor with me? And I'm thinking, i got to work tomorrow, you know. Um, but Ephesians 5, love your wife, even, you know, okay. Does Christ love the church? Sure, I'm in. And, um, 
And so I, I get to the, you know, I leave a meeting and I, I pull up to the doctor's office and I'm walking and as soon as I open the door, I hear a very familiar scream. It's the scream of my middle daughter and, and she's just screaming her head off. And so I just followed the scream into the back room, into the, you know, the, the place where the patients are in the doctor's office. And I go in and when I walk in, I see this look on her face as she's screaming and she's, she's about to blow chunks and 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 so I'm there with with my other daughter and I'm like I'm like this is our cue we need to go we need to get out of here you know and 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 she but she's like uh-uh you're not going anywhere and like heat seeking missile like looks at me and like across the room just got it all over me and I'm like all right I'm I'm so out and then she turns to Monica she's like you're not going to escape this either and blew, blew uh, all over her and all over herself she's covered in it and then I'm not trying to gross you out Okay, but it stunk. <laughs> it, it smelled like the inside of a Six Flags trash can. And um, I know, I know, you feel sorry for me. And, uh, and I'm there, and I'm, I'm literally, I'm like running away. I'm like, I gotta get out of here, back to the car. What am I gonna do about this meeting? But my wife, she's like, come here. She just pulls her clothes. And she just grabs her and she just walks, it's gonna be okay. I got you. I got you, it's gonna be okay. And she's just consoling her. And she's just getting it all over. <laughs> Would you love someone like this? It's messy. It's messy. But this is how God loved you. Man, you stuck in your bulimia, porn addiction, in your debt, your codependency, your legalism, and your pride. That gross abortion. That thing you thought you'd never tell anybody. It's all over you. It's nasty. It stinks. And God comes here, and he grabs you. He says, you're mine. I love you. He said, nothing's going to take you from me. And he says, this love that I have for you, I want you to show to complete and perfect strangers, even your enemies, that you would love them like this. And, and with that badge, we are God's representatives on this earth, showing his lost children how they can make it back to their father. That's what we're doing. And it is a, a, an amazing adventure that I just wanna invite you on, that you would go on that adventure with me. It's gonna be a blast. Let me pray that you would. Father, we, um, we love you. <laughs> we agape you. We love you, not like we love chocolate. Father, would you help us to love someone in a really crazy way and call it ordinary? Would you help us to do something at a tremendous cost to us and call it normative? Because we're the remnant, because we're your followers. You've modeled it for us through your son, Jesus. And so God, as we move towards worshiping you right now, would you stir in our hearts a love for you that we would sacrifice our lives for you, that we would 
in view of your mercy, to present, we would present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, and that we would see that as our spiritual act of worship, not conforming any longer to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, having the mind of God. And then we'd be able to test and approve what your will is for our lives, your good, pleasing, perfect, and holy will. In the name of Jesus Christ.